South Carolina's arch rivals and the Clemson Tigers are apparently set to hire TCU offensive coordinator Garrett Riley. Should Gamecock fans be worried about this hire? You are locked on Gamecocks, your daily podcast on the South Carolina Gamecocks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online is where the game starts. Hello, Gamecock Nation, and welcome back to the Locked On Gamecocks podcast, your show for daily headlines and potential storylines on your favorite South Carolina Gamecock sports teams. I'm your host, Andrew Lyon, and as always, thank you for making the Locked On Gamecocks podcast your first watch or listen here today. We are free and available on YouTube and wherever you get your audio podcasts daily. And as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, it appears that the Tigers up in the upstate are set to make a uh, big boy type hire as Clemson is apparently set to hire TCU offensive coordinator Garrett Riley. This news broke yesterday late in the afternoon and it appears that there could be a press conference that takes place as early as today. So, should Gamecock fans worry about this potential move from their arch rivals? And some of you might be wondering why I'm even bringing up this topic in the first place. Well, the reason why is simply because if South Carolina is going to reach the heights that they both could reach and undoubtedly want to reach, an important piece of this journey is going to involve being able to surpass the Clemson Tigers, which obviously, based on what they have done over the past 10 to 12 years, it's not going to be easy. Clemson has become one of the more prominent programs in all college football. Of course, they've got a couple of national championships to their name as well. And there's been a lot of questions the last couple of years surrounding Dabo Sweeney. And is he stuck in his ways? And is Clemson on the downtrend? And for the last couple of years, we have seen bits of evidence that has shown that that could very well indeed be the case. But with this kind of hire of Garrett Riley, because of what TCU did in 2022, and because of the fact he's a Burles Award winner at that offensive coordinator position, people are now going to see that Dabo Sweeney's not going to go down without a fight. And so South Carolina is going to have to see that at some point this upcoming season at the minimum, of course, assuming that the Garrett Riley hire goes all the way through here. So should the Gamecocks worry about Clemson hiring Garrett Riley? Right now, I would say no. And there's a few reasons why I say this. Firstly, and I mentioned this specific point back when I was talking about potential offensive coordinator candidates for South Carolina's offensive coordinator opening back in December. Garrett Riley has never run his own offense completely on his own. Now, I was incorrect about one thing that I said back in December that I'll readdress real quickly. Garrett Riley has been a play caller. He is someone that actually does have power five play calling experience. It seems like he was the primary play caller this past season with the TCU Horned Frogs. But when I say he's never run his own offense, 
What I simply mean by that is the few years that Garrett Riley has been heavily involved in both game planning for his team's offense and obviously now play calling for his team, he has had Sonny Dykes paired up with him. And the thing is, Sonny Dykes is a very highly regarded offensive-minded coach in college football. And while, of course, again, you could assume that Sonny Dykes has taken a few steps back over the last couple of years and maybe given Garrett Riley more responsibility with the offense, especially with all the responsibilities now that major college football head coaches have to deal with, you also have to assume that in part, the offenses that Garrett Riley has been calling have been Sonny Dykes' offense and that he has had his influence in these offenses to a certain degree. So Garrett Riley, because of that, technically has yet to really run his own ship. He's going to get that chance now, admittedly, at Clemson. Now, another reason why South Carolina should not worry about Garrett Riley at this moment in time. The coach is changing on Clemson's offense, but the personnel isn't really changing all that much. Yes, DJ Uyangole has moved on to Oregon State, and Cade Klubnick is now going to be Clemson's starting quarterback heading into 2023. But the thing is, Clemson still has a ways to go at certain positions. They still have question marks behind Antonio Williams at wide receiver. I mean, EJ Williams transferred out. Joseph Nagata, who obviously you could maybe make an argument that he never realized his full potential because of injuries. He's now going on to the NFL. And Clemson just hasn't had the receivers that they have had in years past. So you've got that that Garrett Riley's still going to have to try to scheme around. And you've also got an offensive line that has been inconsistent with pass protection over the last couple of years. DJ Uyangole definitely had his own flaws, but it wasn't always all on him when things went awry on that side of the ball for Clemson. And the thing is, this current transfer portal window is ending in five days. And yeah, Clemson could maybe get some guys that currently are planning on signing with TCU, or maybe they've already enrolled at TCU. Of course, I'm not quite sure how all that could work out depending on when guys have enrolled, if they are coming to TCU from the transfer portal. So it'll be interesting to see how all that works out. And in my opinion, the number of players that do go from TCU and follow Garrett Riley over to Clemson is going to say a lot about maybe just how much Garrett Riley was responsible for the offense during his entire time. He was with Sonny Dykes, both at SMU and, of course, last season at TCU. And the last point that I have about why the Gamecocks should not be worried about this hire at this moment with Garrett Riley is this. Besides Mike Leach, and God rest his soul, the Air Raid offense is good for putting up numbers. It's going to look really sexy in terms of the statistics. But historically against SEC competition, the air raid offense has not fared all that well. Now, I know that certain people would maybe throw out the counterpoint and say, well, Andrew, this air raid offense that you are downplaying right now did just get TCU to a national championship game. And yes, that would be correct. And yes, the Big 12 does have a couple of decent defenses. I'm not going to make it out like the entire conference stinks in terms of that side of the ball. And Michigan was a solid win for TCU in that same aspect. But TCU only managed to score seven points against Georgia. And yes, I know Georgia's defense is good, but it's the national championship game. You had a Heisman Trophy finalist at quarterback, one of the best receivers in all college football on your team, 
And the only reason TCU scored seven points, quite honestly, was because of an explosive play that they got because Georgia had a busted assignment in the back end of their defense. That doesn't exactly spell confidence for when that kind of offensive scheme and system is going to be going up against an SEC team like South Carolina that I'm not going to sit here and say is like Georgia's defense because obviously no defense is on Georgia's level right now. But South Carolina's going to have good athletes. They're going to have good defensive linemen that Clemson's going to have to face and deal with. So what I envision happening is this. This offense is going to be improved. They're going to put up some better numbers. And they're going to end up just destroying, probably, certain ACC opponents. And it's going to cause people to sit there and go, Clemson is back. Clemson's going to be back in the college football playoff. They could win the national championship. Blah, 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 blah. They are going, that's going to happen. can already envision it happening as we go through the 2023 season. But when you face a team like Notre Dame, or you face a team like South Carolina on your schedule, certain teams that will actually have a pulse in terms of talent that can match up with you. Is that style still going to work? Historically speaking, again, besides Mike Leach, the Pirate, it hasn't really worked against SEC opponents. So I'm not going to sit here and downplay this whole thing and say it won't work out. But, you know, there's been superstar, quote-unquote, hires before, made at these coordinator positions, at the head coaching position, and they did not end up working out at the end of the day. So we'll see how all this plays out. But if you're a South Carolina fan right now, I wouldn't necessarily say that you have to worry about this hire with Garrett Riley going to Clemson. Now, moving on from football, let's talk about some basketball because Don Staley and her squad went up to Lexington, Kentucky on Thursday night in what was a rare occasion that the Gamecocks were trying to get some payback as Kentucky, of course, was the same team that defeated the Gamecocks in the SEC Tournament Championship game this past basketball season. Was the last team to defeat the Gamecocks. How did everything play out and what were my takeaways? We're going to discuss all of that in just a few moments right here on Locked on Gamecocks. Today's show is brought to you by Bet Online. BetOnline is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis, where you can get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there, from college football and the NFL to college basketball and esports. BetOnline has got it all. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. BetOnline continues to be the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix in. So head over to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more because bet online is where the game starts. Welcome back to this Friday edition of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast, where we cover your South Carolina Gamecocks every single day. Thank you once again for making Locked On Gamecocks your first listen every day. Make sure you check out our brand new podcast. Locked On College Basketball, where you'll get everything you need to know about college basketball all in just one place. Plus, you'll hear from big-name experts, insiders, coaches, and players. Locked On College Basketball, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. All right. Now, South Carolina went up to Lexington, Kentucky to take care of some unfinished business from this past season 
on Thursday night. And the Gamecocks wound up doing just that at the end of the night as they defeat the Kentucky Wildcats 95-66 to as they remain undefeated heading into the weekend. Now, I had a few different takeaways from this game. And admittedly, while the final score would indicate to you that this game was just a complete rout by Don Staley's squad, South Carolina did not play a complete game in this one. And that leads into my first takeaway. South Carolina's front court needs to work on their help defense. In their last few games against Georgia, against Mississippi State, and now against Kentucky, South Carolina has shown a propensity to actually give up some points in the paint. And the way that this is happening, kind of like I mentioned with the game against the Bulldogs, is South Carolina is letting these athletic guards that these opponents have just pretty much get right off the top of the key, go right on past the first defender that is, of course, the on-ball defender, and then whoever is back there in the paint usually is just not rotating quickly enough, and it's allowing these guards to get some easy looks at the basket, and it's allowing them to convert for Kentucky. Kentucky, out of their first six baskets they made in this game, four of them came in the paint, and all four makes came from Jada Walker, who was a sophomore guard for Kentucky and is listed on the roster as being 5 feet 7 inches tall. Now, I got to give her some credit. Walker is one of the better young guards in the SEC, so she is certainly no slouch when it comes to the game of basketball. But for South Carolina to now have this issue rear its ugly head once again in another game, I think it's becoming a little bit worrisome, especially these slow starts that South Carolina is getting off to defensively. Because the thing is, South Carolina is supposed to have one of the better front courts in the entire country. I mean, you look at the front court that South Carolina has with the reigning defending National Player of the Year and Defensive Player of the Year in Aaliyah Boston, Victoria Saxton, a fifth-year super senior. You've also got Camilla Cardoso, who is probably one of the better defenders in the country at the center position. And then you have Letitia Ami here. And then you've got even more players behind them that can rotate in there at that four spot especially. This is not something that's characteristic of South Carolina women's basketball teams. It's just not. South Carolina for years has locked down this area of the court. And recently now, it seems like that there are actually some cracks in the armor. And again, South Carolina's not facing the best of competition right now. Kentucky is not a bad team, but Kentucky is also 0-5 now in conference play and 8-9 on the season. Mississippi State. Not a bad team, but not a team that you got to worry about in March. When South Carolina plays some of these other teams, especially if they're fully healthy teams like a Stanford, maybe like an LSU, like a UConn, and some of these other squads as well, Louisville with Haley Van Lith, South Carolina, th this is becoming a concern. If they're facing athletic guards that can actually take South Carolina's guards off the dribble and get to the basket relatively quickly, this is going to be something that's going to be interesting to watch throughout the rest of the season. It's something that's got to be fixed if you're the Gamecocks. Another takeaway that I had from this game. South Carolina will see more success on offense when they push the pace more in transition. The Gamecocks in the second half 
came out with one clear-cut plan offensively, which was they were going to be aggressive. They were going to keep going into the paint against Kentucky's defense, where admittedly, their roster does not have a true center. So that did hurt the Wildcats to a certain extent. But South Carolina recognized this, and in the second half, they took full advantage of it. Continuously driving to the paint, letting Zai Cook run right on in there. Bree Hall got a couple of nice transition baskets as well. Getting the ball down low quickly to Camilo Cardoso and Aaliyah Boston so that Kentucky couldn't double-team them as quickly as maybe they would have liked to. Going quickly in transition on offense it seems like it's going to be something that South Carolina is going to want to do more of in the future. They had a ton of success against Kentucky on Thursday night with this kind of mentality. And this could be something that could really bode well for them on that side of the ball going through the rest of the regular season and heading into March. And my last takeaway from this game, and one that really stuck out to me when sort of going back and, you know, recapping everything. Don Staley has got a certain mentality regarding timeouts in games. And here's the situation that played out that led me to this takeaway. From the 338 mark in the first quarter, all the way to the 446 mark in the second quarter, where the last media timeout of the first half took place, South Carolina, at the beginning of this stretch, was up 20-13. to They were doing pretty decent. And went from that to being down 31-23. to they had eight turnovers in the process, and they only made two of their nine attempts that they had in this same period, while Kentucky, on the other end, shot 50% from the floor. Now, most basketball coaches going through this kind of a stretch would have called timeout. Probably would have called timeout after maybe the first few minutes of this stretch took place. And despite all the turnovers that South Carolina had, which to be honest, a lot of them were pretty much self-inflicted, and the clear momentum shift that had taken place in the game, and Kentucky at one point going up as much as 10 or 8 points, Don Staley didn't take a timeout. And the reason why I think this was the case is because Don Staley, I think, believed in this game that even though the Gamecocks went down, you know, 8, 10 points at some point throughout this stretch, they were facing an opponent where she could afford to sit back and sort of just let things play out. Let this experienced veteran group sort the issues out themselves without her having to interject. Now, if this was a game that was, say, in the NCAA tournament against any, of course, at that point, high-quality opponent or obviously maybe in the Final Four or a championship game, then Don Staley probably would have handled it differently. She probably would have called timeout. But in these kind of games against an opponent where South Carolina knows probably coming in that they greatly overmatched them in terms of their talent and in terms of the size maybe or the length that they bring to the court, that they can get away with stretches like this. And I'm not trying to make it out like it was some grand scheme for South Carolina to go down 8, 10 points, Don Staley not call timeout so that, you know, they could put themselves in a really bad position and have to figure out a certain set of issues that were presented to them in this kind of game. Not trying to say that, but I think it speaks a lot to the confidence that Don Staley has in her team that even in their worst moments in some of these games, She's not going to just, you know, immediately try to bail them out. She's going to leave it up to them and say, look, y'all been enough of these games at this point. You can figure this out. And even though a lot of you fans might sit there and disagree with this thought process completely, 
I can understand where Don Stelia is coming from if this is indeed sort of her mindset regarding timeouts in these kind of games. Again, if it was a game that had a lot more meaning behind it and, you know, was maybe in the tournament, then I could see how she probably would not have waited so long to call timeout. But she did not. And these are the kind of moments that South Carolina's team can look back on in film study, going back in practice, and they can be extra proud of it because they were able to get through all this without needing a timeout to be called in the middle of everything transpiring. So was something that I was impressed with when thinking on it, looking back. And again, South Carolina continues to find ways to overcome the issues they have in these games, but there's no question they've got a couple things they need to work on still as they continue to go through this SEC slate. All right, the last thing I want to talk about on today's show real quick is some really good news regarding some former Gamecocks who are going to get another chance at making it in the NFL. And specifically, two former South Carolina kickers in Parker White and Elliott Fry, who in the last week have signed NFL Futures contracts. Now, Parker White got one with the Green Bay Packers, and Elliott Fry got one with the Arizona Cardinals. And to keep it short and sweet, an NFL Futures contract basically means that both of these guys are going to get a camp invite. And these contracts are like regular active roster contracts, with the exception of their minimum guarantee contracts. There are certain protections that the NFL franchise has, considering the fact that it is the offseason. And it carries all the way into the start of the new league year, which I believe is either March 11th or May 11th. So either way, both of these guys are going to get a chance with these two teams. Elliot Fry in particular has been in multiple kicker battles throughout his career. I think he's had like two or three different camps where he was one of the final kickers that remained on the preseason roster and he just wasn't able to make it at the end of preseason camp. So I really hope, of course, that both of these guys can find a way onto one of these rosters. It's really cool to see two of the top scorers in South Carolina football history getting another chance to make it in the NFL. And what would be really cool is this. If both of these guys do make it with these respective teams, or maybe they manage to land on their feet with another franchise who sort of catches on to what all they've done at their respective camps, then that would mean that Parker White, Elliott Fry, and Ryan Suckup, all former South Carolina kickers, would be in the NFL. I think uh, South Carolina honestly might have an argument for kicker U if that does end up taking place because South Carolina has had a lot of solid kickers come through Columbia over the last several years. Mitch Jeter, who they have right now, looks to be the next in line. So it's really exciting to see that both of these guys are going to get, again, another chance to try and make it in the NFL and have a shot to potentially make some life-changing money if they can stick with the team for the next couple of years. But with that being said, y'all, that's going to do it for today's show of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast. I hope y'all thoroughly enjoyed today's show, as always. What are your thoughts about Garrett Riley being hired by Clemson? Do you think that South Carolina, considering the fact that Clemson is their arch rivals, should be worried about this move? Also, what were your takeaways from South Carolina's victory over the Kentucky Wildcats on Thursday night? And lastly, what are your thoughts on Parker White and Elliott Fry getting a chance to potentially join an NFL roster this upcoming season? Let me know your thoughts down below in the comments section if you're watching today's show on YouTube. Or you could send me a direct message on Twitter at line underscore SC, and I'll try to respond to it as quickly as I see it. And once again, don't forget to make Locked On College Basketball your second listen now that you have listened to or watched 
the Locked On Gamecocks podcast. But once again, that does it for me on today's show. I hope you have a great rest of your Friday and a fantastic weekend. And I'll catch y'all on the next show on the Locked On Gamecocks podcast. <laughs>